Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Rob Prospect Podcast. Today is episode 199 for our week nine NFL Raw Rundown. And if you're new here, we do this every single week. We go through about five to six games that we thought were interesting, go through them, recap them, uh, give y'all our takeaways. Um, and if you're new here, if you like what you see, leave a like on the video, uh, subscribe if you're new, share it with your friends. Um, and if you can't finish the entire podcast over here, we're also available on all audio platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it. Uh, but joining me, as always, the Stack King himself, Mr. Michael Ween. How you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back. One episode away from 200, and, you know, we've probably miscounted, but it is what it is. We're right around that number. Uh, week of Raw Rundown, which will start by Prospect of the Week. So, um, like it always does. If you're new here, we do Prospect of the Week, a segment to highlight a, most of the time, a underrated player that doesn't get a lot of attention. Um, and then we go to uh, the games that we want to discuss for the week. Um, so, do you want me to start us off or do you want to start us off? Um, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I think this week it was made really simple for me in terms of this particular player, just taking the next step. And we're going to go in depth to this particular guy later as well. When we talk about that game, but for me this week, it was CJ Stroud. I mean, four touchdowns and it wasn't just that he, you know, through for all those yards, only at 12 completions. It was also the fact that they won because of his right arm. It wasn't, oh, they won with him. Oh, they won in spite of him. They won because of him. And that's that's where you enter a different level to me. I, th- I think this is one of those games that Texans fans are going to look back on in – five, six years and be like, yeah, this is the one. This is the where he arrived. Um, and, I mean, you could argue it was the Falcons game earlier this year as well, but he didn't have a complete game like this. Um, I mean, he. W- I mean, the final drive, he hit a whole shot to Tank Dell. I think it was, I think it was down the right sideline. Absolutely ridiculous throw. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay was in cover two. And we see it a lot with young quarterbacks. They don't, they don't look for that whole shot pass, or they don't have the arm to hit that whole shot pass. C.J. Stroud saw it, identified it right away, and put it right on the money. I mean that. I think that play right there shows all you really need to know about C.J. Stroud. I mean that dude is legit, um, and you could argue that he's a top eight quarterback in football right now. We'll talk more about CJ Stroud later on in the episode when we get to that game. Uh, my prospect of the week was pretty simple. I'm giving it to Jalen Milrow, the quarterback of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He put on a clinic on Saturday night, 
against LSU. And I get it. LSU's defense isn't good. I mean, it just isn't. Uh, but 15 out of 23 passing for 219 yards, no turnovers. Ran for 155 on the ground with four rushing touchdowns. Led Alabama to a 42-28 victory to take complete control of the SEC West. In a huge game, the whole country was watching. And if you look at it right now, uh, could you guess the quarterback? If I were to tell you guys, which college quarterback has the best passer rating on third down in college football? It's Jalen Milrow. Um, so people say he's not accurate. People say he's erratic. People say he's not very good. Um, look, some of those things might be true. Uh, but he's playing good football right now. Tommy Reese has done an excellent job, especially the past couple weeks where their schedule has kind of heated up a little bit with Tennessee and LSU and Ole Miss and A&M. Each week you see it progressively more. They're, they're scheming this offense around Jalen Milrose's strengths. It took a couple weeks for it to get going, but now – Alabama with Jalen Milrow playing this way, I mean, they're they're steamrolling people, and I wouldn't want to play them these last couple weeks of the season. I think we're on a crash course to get to Atlanta and have Alabama and Georgia meet once again. And when we get there, it'll be interesting to see which team is playing better football. Because I think Alabama, with their defense and this version of Jalen Milrow, can beat anybody. Um, oh, so yeah. 100%. This isn't a college football podcast that we're on right now. But I thought Jalen Milrow, even though he didn't throw any touchdowns on Saturday, he didn't have to. Uh, he did it all with his legs. And that's uh, it was, a, it was a very good performance in prime time in a huge game. If Alabama loses that game, they are they're done in terms of college football playoff conversations. So interesting game. We'll talk more about college football on, on Wednesday night when we do our 29th edition of Deep in the Heart of Longhorn Sports. Uh, but that's my prospect of the week. Let's move on to our games. Are we going to go in chronological order? Or we can. Um, are we uh, gonna? We can. We can start with Titan Steelers. I think that. I think that's a good game to start with. Okay. Um, well, I'll, let's hear your yeah. thoughts first because I'm interested to know what you thought of this game. Well, I think. I mean, the fourth quarter was as entertaining a football on Thursday night as you're going to get. Um, I mean, Kenny Pickett, he found it. I mean. Say what you want about, you know, first three quarters. It, it didn't look great outside of the opening drive. But, I mean, Najee Harris was solid the whole night. And <laughs> they kept plugging away at this thing. And they were right there in the fourth quarter. And Kenny Pickett made the plays when it mattered. That's really all there was to it. And to me, the, you know, the sailing of throws, like he was consistently missing high. And to me, that just... That just says that maybe the the rib injury is bothering him. Uh, that that's probably my guess, because uh, 
if you're if you got injured ribs, it's going to be harder to follow through and really drive those throws. Um, and it was a consistent thing. He was selling those throws in the fourth quarter. He found it and got it right, and you ended up getting the win. That's that's really all there is to it. This the Steelers team, they continue to find ways to win games, and I mean. They're sitting in the five seed in the AFC right now, I think. I mean, you, you can't really knock what they're doing right now. I mean, whatever pixie dust Mike Tomlin's got, I mean, I mean, it's it's legit. It's the secret stuff. Am I surprised? Well, am I surprised that they're five and three sitting in the five seed somehow? Yes and no. Um Yes, because when you watch this brand of football that they're playing, it's very easy to nitpick and even kind of rip this team apart for certain things, especially on the offensive side of the football. Uh, But at the same time, it's kind of like being in a rock fight. Like when you play the Steelers, you are in a rock fight because that defense is going to keep the game close, close enough to where in the fourth quarter, the Steelers – like they've been doing so often the past couple of years, uh, we'll find a way to win, whether that's force a, t- a key turnover on defense or get a couple sacks, make a play on defense, let Kenny Pickett do what he's actually done well so far in the first 19-ish games of his career going back to last year, which is play well in the fourth quarter, especially when the Steelers are trailing. Uh, in those one possession games. That's why he has six or seven game game winning drives already to this point in his young career. I believe it's six. Um, a couple positives from, from Thursday night, just for me as a Steelers fan. Bear with me for a second. Number one, opening drive touchdown. Love to see that. Um, now, one thing to point out, and I don't know if this made any difference whatsoever. It may have. We will see as the weeks go on. They moved Matt Canada down from the booth to the sidelines to have closer communication, not only with Kenny Pickett, which I think matters, but with the other position groups, the offensive line, uh, the receivers, the running backs, whoever it may be. Matt Canada was on the sideline, and it also kind of gives you a different perspective, I think, being on the field, being able to see it, you know, see the defenses up close, all that kind of stuff. Uh, kind of judge the flow of the game. We'll see if it makes a difference going forward, but it was nice to see the opening drive. I thought they were balanced. They came out with a plan. Uh, Kenny Pickett looked good on the opening drive. He was accurate for the most part. He did miss one throw, but he eventually got it back the very next play where he hit Johnson on like this outside post route near the sideline. It was an excellent throw. Uh, and they pounded it at the goal line, which I love to see. They just gave it to Najee Harris and said, take it, take us in. Um, that's number one, opening drive touchdown. Hasn't been a lot of that in Pittsburgh lately. Uh, number two is the running game. What happened at the end of last year when the Steelers went seven and two down the stretch and got themselves to nine and eight and somehow almost made the playoffs? They started running the ball. Uh, in this running game against Tennessee, uh, it was good. It was pretty consistent the entire night. They were committed to it. 
Uh, I thought the offensive line played well. They they moved Broderick Jones to right tackle. Uh, I think Chuksakorafor was dealing with something, or he got uh, benched for the game because he said something to Mike Tomlin uh, during the Jaguars game that, I mean, Coach Tomlin's a player's coach, but he doesn't play around. Um, so uh, I think he played well at right tackle. It was good to see him get a full game of reps. Uh, I thought the offensive line was pretty good uh, on on Thursday night. Uh, and that running game was, was really good, especially Jalen Warren. Uh, Najee, I thought, ran hard, but Jalen Warren was excellent making plays breaking tackles at low center of gravity. He's just hard to get on the ground. Um, it was great. Number three, great to see Deontay Johnson for the second week in a row produce and ultimately be the best receiver on the field for Pittsburgh. Um, he scored his first touchdown since 2021, which is great. Um, so hopefully the problem with Deontay Johnson is consistency and he hasn't been available um so if he can continue to do this uh take some attention away from george pickens that would be nice and then the defense for the most part played pretty well i thought uh i thought joey porter jr once again played well especially when matched up against deandre hopkins he had an excellent game although one thing he's not very good at is tackling on the perimeter um, that's something he's going to have to improve upon. Um, I thought for the most part, the back end did well, considering that we're going to be missing Minka Fitzpatrick for the next couple weeks. I thought Cam Hayward, of course, was helpful, uh, in the middle of that defense, especially in the run game. I know Henry got his, but, um, I thought the run defense was better. It, it, it does hurt, though. Cole Holcomb goes down uh, for the year on a nasty knee injury. I advise you don't watch that. Um, kind of hyperextended. He got he was running kind of cross field, and he got kind of cleated in the knee, and his knee went backwards. It was nasty injury. Uh, he's out for the year, but I thought Quan Alexander stepped up, um, and that's why you go get a guy like Quan Alexander to go along with Alandon Roberts late in the offseason in case those injuries happen. Um, he made the game ceiling interception. Uh, on the other side of things, you have to give credit to Will Levis. I thought the Steelers kind of pressured him fairly consistently, uh, and he made some throws under pressure. He made throws under duress. He moved the ball up and down the field. Uh, for most of the game, that final drive was impressive up until the last couple plays. Uh, that Tennessee offensive line is banged up and not very good. Uh, and he was still able to extend plays, uh, make some throws downfield. Um, I thought it was an overall really good showing for Will Levis in his first career road start in a hostile environment like Pittsburgh. Uh, in a night game. I mean, that's not always easy to do. Uh, the Steelers got the win. It was a typical Steelers game. Um, you had the ups, you had the downs, you had the good, you had the terrible. Uh, 
And ultimately, we sit here at five and three. We have the Packers coming in on Sunday, uh, a game that we should win, but we will see. Uh, and then the schedule picks back up a little bit with two divisional opponents in the Browns and the Bengals. So we'll we'll see what happens, but it would be nice to get to six and three uh, on Sunday. So those are my thoughts from the Steelers game. It feels like that's kind of the story for most of every game this year, except for the games that they've lost, which actually haven't been particularly close. When they lose, they lose. When they win, it's it's a game up until the end. That's how I yeah. describe the Steelers right now. Yeah, and uh, I'll be quick. I'll, I'll, I'll just say for Will Levis, the thing that's impressed me is he does that Tom Brady thing. Like when – a blitz is coming in and he's about to get sacked. He he dumps the ball off to the nearest receiver, but he does it in a way where he doesn't get intentional grounding and it keeps drives alive. I mean, it, it doesn't do much help to your completion percentage, but at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. Um, so I, I liked that part of his game. I think that's something that, I mean, I think more quarterbacks should implement, to, if I'm being entirely honest. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay. Um, let's move on to our next game, which would have been the Germany game between the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Yep. So I'll start with you on this one. What'd you see? Yeah, I, I saw a dominant defense, um, from the Chiefs. I mean, Trent McDuffie, man, I, I considered him for prospect of the week and I mean, my goodness, that, that strip sack or no, not the strips, the strip of Tyreek Hill takes it to the house. That was the difference in the game. Um, the offenses scored the same amount of points as each other. And uh, the defense clearly won this game uh, for the Chiefs. And the other thing is this was a Steve Spagnolo masterclass. Um, I, I saw a little nugget before the game that uh, Steve Spagnolo actually coached in NFL Europe back in the day um, for the Frankfurt Galaxy. Um, and clearly he had he had something in the tank for this game. I mean, one thing that I thought was really interesting was they seemed to really lean on blitzes coming from the left side to force Tua to his right because Tua seemed very reluctant to roll right. Um, I'm not sure if that was something they saw on film or if, you know, they figured, oh, maybe he's not comfortable rolling that way, but it worked a lot. Like they were sending blitzes that way and Tua didn't want to run that direction. It was, it was pretty strange in that regard. Um, I think for the Miami offense, we, we, we've talked about them being a sports car, but the reality of a sports car is you get like a, a grain of sand in the engine and, and immediately the window of it being amazing goes away and, and it's just broken down. Um, and that's kind of how the Miami offense feels like once they, once they run into some, you know, bumps in the road and kind of get pushed back against a little bit, they're not quite as explosive at that point. You get them into the third and 10, third and 11s, make them drop back to pass. 
Um, I think that's uh, that's where you got to beat them, and the Chiefs did it perfectly. Um, I'll 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 pass it over to you before I you know talk about Mahomes and all that. But um, my question for you is, um, from a Chiefs offense perspective. What did you see in that, particularly in that first half that you thought was successful? Because I thought I thought it was pretty impressive how they came out. It was impressive how they came out. Um, look, people are going to talk about this offense. Uh, here's the thing. There, there's nothing wrong with Mahomes. I know he's had more turnovers than usual this year. Nothing wrong with Mahomes. I don't worry one bit about Patrick yeah, Mahomes. No. Uh, I think there might be a problem at the wide receiver position. Uh, I think they do need some guys to step up and play with some consistency. I think they do miss the presence of a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster just a little bit, um, uh, more than they probably expected. But all that being said, I think there are guys there that are capable it's not that they don't have capable guys. I think, for example, Rasheed Rice, uh, I believe, can take over that lead wide receiver role eventually. I I really like him as a player. Uh, he does drop a couple too many passes for my liking, but I think that's something that will work itself out over time. Uh, you know, they did bring back McCall Hardman Jr., uh, they're going to need him as well. You know, I think some of the lack of consistency from those wide receivers make it a little easier for defenses to key in on a Travis Kelsey. Um, you, you can make the argument they don't really have any real consistent threats out of outside of Kelsey. Uh, but I think at the same time in that game, you know, after the opening drive, I think we got to give the Dolphins credit a little bit defensively. I, I think Vic Fangio, with everything that I can say about the Dolphins, um, he's starting to get that unit into form, and I, they're starting to get healthy too. Uh, they're becoming a healthy defense. Uh, offensively, they've been able to move the ball against good teams, but they've had trouble with penalties, turnovers, and red zone offense. Um I think they need to find a way to be more consistent uh, when they don't routinely get explosive plays like you were talking about. Um, but I thought that defense played really well. I mean, outside of that opening drive, what the, the, the Chiefs scored seven points offensively the rest of the game, I think. I believe so. So yeah. um, it's interesting. Um, of course, if you're the Dolphins, there's no shame in losing to these teams. I mean, you've lost to the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles. Uh, it, they're a talented team. I think there's a good chance that in a month they're playing better football than they are right now. Uh, they have a pretty favorable next month. They should win probably four or five of their next six games. They play Miami Dolphins brand of football. What we're really going to find out about the Dolphins is later on in the year, <coughs> later in December when they play the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Bills, and the Dolphins. Uh, 
all within a stretch of like five or six weeks to end the season. Um, I think that'll tell us who they really are. Um, But one of the things I noticed is while the Chiefs have a really good defense, it maybe you can even make the argument that defense is the best defense right now in the league. Um, They're, struggling on first and second downs is leading to long third down situations. And when you repeatedly put your quarterback in those situations, uh, you, you struggle to sustain drives Uh, and against these defenses that they've gone up against the Eagles, the chiefs and the bills. um, You see that translate to struggling on third down three out of 12 on Sunday on third down. It's just not going to, not good enough against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, four for 11 against the Eagles, which actually isn't too terrible, but you'd like to be a little better. And then three for 10 against the Bills. Uh, they need to do better on the money downs, but part of being better on those downs is being better on first and second down against those good defenses. Yeah. Um, their, their running game really struggled a lot. Yeah, yeah it did. Um, one thing I'll say about the Chiefs, though, is they haven't really opened up the playbook for Rasheed Rice. It feels like they're using him as the screen guy and the you know gadget play guy. But I'm hoping after this bye week this week that they can really open things up for him and get him going down the field uh, because he has that explosiveness to be able to do that and get open. Um, it's just whether or not he can understand the playbook in time and what they want to do. Cause Andy Reed offense, it's, it's definitely a complicated system to learn. And maybe, maybe there's a lack of trust there between the coaches and him. That's what I wonder a little bit, uh, but hopefully the bye week they can sort that out. I think, as you said, there's potential there to where if you move Rasheed Rice outside, you maybe move Sky Moore to the slot. Maybe that's the recipe they need. Um, I also like what I've been seeing from Valdez Scantling. I think he's been solid the last couple of weeks, but last year he was their deep threat. And this year he hasn't really been used that same way. So that's also a head scratcher as well. Cause I think that's still in there for MVS. Um, and I think those are probably really the only things you can point to. If you're the chiefs, this was a game where, Travis Kelsey caught three out of 14 targets and you still won the game. So I yeah. mean, you're, you're, you're winning, you're winning games against great teams. And Patrick Mahomes did a little bit of everything. He, he uh, actually found nine different receivers. So despite there not being one single standout guy in this room, he was able to spread the ball around. He was efficient. 67% of his you know, passes were completed. Uh, he went 20 for 30. Didn't light up the uh, stat sheet, 185 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, but he did, you know, a good job of extending drives with his legs. Uh, he did a lot of that, especially in the second half on uh, Sunday. Um, so you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Andy Reid. You'll continue to figure this thing out as – we go down the stretch. Um, it's always great to get a win. You're beating good teams. 
we'll see what the Dolphins do here these next couple of weeks. I think the Dolphins, no giving up on the Dolphins yet. Um, they, Yo, uh, uh, we got one chat. What's up, Marcus Garcia? Thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, sorry, go ahead. I, I didn't mean no. That. I was just finishing up my thought. Okay, cool. Um, we can move on. All right, perfect. Um, next game, I think that would be Texans. Buccaneers Texans. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, I am really excited to talk about this one. I mean, CJ Stroud, man. My goodness. I mean, this this didn't start out as a – it didn't start out favorably. Let's just say that. He missed a few throws early. You go down 10 early in the second quarter. I think seven minutes left in the second quarter I thought was a really big turning point in the game. C.J. Stroud, I think about at the at his own like 35-yard line or so, Throws one over the middle, sails it a little bit, hits Antoine Winfield in the chest, and Antoine Winfield drops it. And they were down 17 to 7 at that point. I think if Antoine Winfield catches that pass and intercepts it, I think that's a whole different ball game. But he dropped it. They end up getting that first down on third and ten. And they drive right down the field and and get a field goal, make it a seven-point game. And then from there, C.J. Stroud was pretty much flawless. I mean, I think he in, he had 12 incomplete passes this game. I think like seven of those were just <coughs> overthrows in the first half. Um, in the second half, he didn't miss pretty much anything. And the Buccaneers played good defense. They, they were still, you know, this is the tall, Todd Bowles coach defense. Um, that loves to blitz, loves to play aggressive. They were in CJ Stroud's face, and it just didn't phase him in the slightest. Um, I think that's what I find most impressive about it also, is just he didn't start off the game well. They get down 10 early, and he just kept on plugging away at it. And the next thing you know, you got a tied ball game at 30. You go up 33 to 30. Then Baker Mayfield goes down the field and scores a touchdown, to their credit. Um, Todd Bowles had that timeout uh, to avoid a 10-second runoff when they were at the 15-yard line or so. And then they ended up scoring on the next play and leaving 46 seconds left on the clock uh, for the Texans. And that's that's what did it. Um, I, don't, I don't hate the move from Todd Bowles there, actually, just because I think – his the thought process there was you don't typically score on the first try in the red zone, but on that situation, they ended up scoring on the very next play and leaving all that time on the clock. So it just didn't fall in your favor. Um, but it is what it is. I think, I mean, what CJ Stroud did on that last drive with 46 seconds left, two timeouts, I mean, it's big time, man. No, no questions about it. Oh, and also, he they went the entire second half without a kicker. So, yeah, yeah, they uh, this was mega impressive. Um, they're probably 
I'd say half the league right now wishes they had at least half the league wishes would trade their quarterback for CJ Stroud right now. Yep. Um it's hard to it's hard to say exactly how many teams would, but I think at least half the league would. Um where he ranks right now in the league after what is it, eight or nine career games, we can argue about that later. Uh yeah. but He's got a 14 to one touchdown to interception ratio as a rookie in his first how many games had the Texans played eight or nine games. Um, I think the offensive coordinator, I believe it's Bobby Slowick. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, uh, this system, this system is perfectly set up for him. Uh, CJ's a fast learner. That's one thing we've learned so far. Uh, he's a fast processor. Um, he throws with really, really, I think, elite accuracy. We saw that on Sunday. Plays with poise. Uh, exhibits a great feel for the game. Uh, he's got all the kinds of traits you want to see in a young quarterback. And he's supported by an offensive coordinator who runs a really nice system, perfectly designed to capitalize on his strengths. Eased pressure on him. Um, so I, I'm really impressed. Uh, he's far ahead in terms of football IQ at this stage in his career. He's extremely poised. He never seems to be flustered. I saw him play in person, um, week four, uh, and look awesome in week four against that Steelers defense. Didn't, you know, throw for as many yards or as many touchdowns, but he led that football team up and down, up and down the field. Uh, those short passes over the middle to Malik Collins. I mean, he, he's getting Dalton Schultz involved. He gets everybody involved. Um, I believe they were at, correct me if I'm wrong, were they without one of their running backs as well? Yeah, Damian um, Pierce didn't play. Yeah, that's what I thought. Damian Pierce yeah. wasn't there either. And they, you know, all five – and going back to the accuracy point, his accuracy, I think, is elite. And all five of those touchdown passes had to be on the money. Yeah. And they were. Uh, put him right on the money. Uh, he routinely hits his receivers in stride. Uh, and if his day, you know, wasn't impressive enough already before the game-winning drive, well, uh, he led them on a game-winning drive of 46 seconds remaining. He's elevating the guys around him. It's it's really easy to see. Uh, and the Texans have their coach and their franchise quarterback. And once you get that, you just continue to build. Uh, and it makes it – it expedites the process, I think, as much as anything else in sports. Once you get that, court, that franchise quarterback and – the right coach, even though uh, D'Amico Ryans is a defensive coach, he's hired the right guy on the offensive side of the ball, the right coordinator for this for this team. Um, and they've dealt with offensive line injuries all season long. They probably still are. I mean, I don't know the inner and outer workings of their offensive line exactly, but um, that's a guy who – C.J. Stroud is a guy, one of those guys, you know he has to throw as a defense and he'll still pick you apart. He's that good. Um, so 
And it's scary what he's doing halfway through his first year as a quarterback. Yeah. All right. And yeah, now he's, he's got the Texans at 500 um, through eight games. So really, really impressed. Really, really impressed. Yeah. Um, he's put the whole NFL on notice. That's what oh, yeah. Doing. And last thing, um, I saw this little nugget on Twitter today, um, a video popped up on my feed um, of Josh McCown, the Panthers quarterbacks coach. Um, he was doing a CJ Stroud film breakdown from his college tape. Um, and this was before he became the quarterbacks coach in Carolina. Um, and basically he broke down CJ Stroud's film and closed the video by saying this dude is Joe Burrow. And he ended up, getting hired by Carolina um, and then Carolina went in a different direction and we'll, we'll see how the careers play out. But, um, and I, I don't think Bryce Young is going to be bad by any means. He's already shown signs of, of life here. Uh, but man, it's, it's an interesting nugget there. And, and I'll let, I'll let y'all take that for what you will. I'm not going to add anything to it. Yeah. And, Stroud spread the ball around. He carved up Tampa Bay's defense. Um, uh, Dalton Schultz, 10 catches for 130 yards in the touchdown. Nico Collins, three catches, 54 yards in the touchdown. Uh, Tank Dell, six catches, 114 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, the young receiver out of the University of Houston. Um, yeah, even Noah Brown as well, former Cowboy. Yeah, Noah Brown. Big game. Uh, did a, yep. 75-yard touchdown pass to Noah Brown early in the third quarter. Uh, 30 of 42, 470 yards, five touchdowns, and a passer rating of 147.8. That's ridiculous. It's yeah. just – I think this is probably the best game I've seen from a rookie quarterback ever. I, I, me personally, I don't think I've seen a better game from a rookie quarterback. Uh, but – I would really have to think about it. It's it's really impressive, and we get to cover his career, which is the coolest part. Um, yeah. So, and you live in Houston, so yeah. Uh, I've already seen him play in person, and who knows? Before the end of this year, I might see him play again. I might have to, just for just because I love football and I live here, and it's easy to go to a game. This NRG is probably. 10 or 15 minutes from here. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'll I, let you start. Get your feelings <laughs> out. Whatever you have to say, say it. Yeah. Um, I guess you could say this one hurts. But, um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this. I mean, it was a great game. Um, we we were right there, man. It was uh, a lot of. I think it was two field goals in the second half is what we ended up with. Um, a lot of chances to score, and all we needed was that one score, and it would have it would have completely changed the game. And obviously, that two point conversion that Dak had, where he stepped out really hurt as well, but 
man, I, I just can't help but be overwhelmingly positive about it, um, which is not the angle that most Cowboys fans are going to take. Dak was fantastic in this game. C.D. Lamb was great in this game. And, man, I, I just can't help but think um, you play you play them 10 times, I think each team is taking five. Like, I, I don't – like. I don't feel horrible about this loss. I think if anything, you know, the defense played well, they held their own. Um, and the offense was good, but just couldn't get over the hump. And on those last few drives where they needed that touchdown. Um, it's hard to say though why that is. I think, Terrence Steele on the right side of that offensive line really struggled, um, and it really showed in the fourth <laughs> quarter. The second, and qu- the second and third quarter, this offensive line played fantastic. Like, didn't even like the Eagles' defensive line wasn't anywhere close to Dak in those two quarters. And Tyler Smith, that dude is legit. I I would take the Cowboys guard tandem against anybody in the league. But that's another conversation for another day. The fourth quarter, though, Terrence Steele, that right side, right tackle, really, really struggled. And it was Josh Sweat. It was Brandon Graham. It was anybody you put over there. It was barbecue chicken over there. It was a, it was a free rush. And Dak did what he could, but it just it wasn't enough. Jalen Hurts was – Jalen Hurts and that offense were too good. They they won the game in that third quarter. I I actually side with you on this one. I think if you're a Cowboys fan, although it probably still stings a little bit, you never like losing to whoever that team might be for you. Um, I think this was overwhelmingly positive for Dallas. Um, it. These matchups, you know, they're going to meet again in about a month, a little less than that, actually. Uh, As long as there's no significant injuries on either side, knock on wood, uh, I think these games are going to be close. Uh, I don't see a huge gap, honestly, in the two teams. Maybe there is, uh, you know, I think the Eagles have an excellent roster. I think the Cowboys do as well. Um, they're going to meet again December 10th uh, in Dallas. And my main takeaway from this game is I think Dallas beats Philly in, in Dallas in a couple in a little over a month. Uh, if they keep playing this way in the passing game, uh, I think Dak's been excellent the last month. And you see CeeDee Lamb. Uh, his presence is felt, and Jake Ferguson, their young tight end, I think is developing into a really nice number two or number three option in that offense. Uh, y'all have, I think, replaced Dalton Schultz uh, with a really nice young player there. Uh, I thought, you know, I don't know how much we actually learned, you know, in this game. It was kind of just. Um, the Eagles were great in the third quarter offensively. Uh, one of the throws that Jalen Hurts made down the left sideline to yeah. Devontae Smith 
in the end zone, kind of on his outside shoulder, perfectly thrown ball. I mean, there's just nothing you – it wasn't like it was terrible coverage, but yeah, there's just – no, coverage, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was – the guy was right there, but it was just – I mean, sometimes it's a perfectly thrown football and you can't do anything about it. If he doesn't make that throw, we could be talking about a totally different scenario, right? So you got to give credit where credit is due. He made an excellent throw. Um, the Eagles, I think, kind of hurt themselves a little bit um, later on in the game. Uh, but uh, they did convert all three of their red zone opportunities. Uh, um their defense stepped up in crucial moments, including the sack of Dak. Uh, I think it was on second or third down in the final minute. Um, and they 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 won this game, but the Cowboys were right there. They were right there. Yeah. Uh, they could have they could have won the game. A couple mistakes hurt them a little bit. Uh, I'm really really I mean coming out of this game. I'm just as excited to see the rematch because I think we'll learn a little bit more about both teams when they play the next time, you know, what, what looks different. I think Dallas can get them uh, in that game. I think they will. Um, yeah, I, A couple things from the Philly perspective. For one, I wouldn't be surprised if after the season – we see like a report that comes out. Jalen Hurts gets surgery on torn A, B, and C. Like the dude is a beast. I mean, my goodness. But that hit that he took in this, like the end of the second quarter. I mean, ugh. I mean, his his knee like caved. Like he got hit in the side of the knee. It was. I mean, it was like a brutal hit. Um, and he just walked it off, man. Um, I mean, the dude is. Just... I want to know how that guy takes care of his body. Yeah. What does he do during the week to get ready for the next game? Because some of the shots that he takes in yeah. these games would knock any mere mortal out for at least a couple weeks yeah. uh, by the looks of it. Um, he's just a tough son of a gun. Yeah, and man. I... He, he fits. Philadelphia so perfectly. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. Like I have always been a fan of Jalen Hurts, man. It sucks that he's in Philly, but I will I will never forget um when when Charlie Strong was a coach at Texas, they were looking for their quarterback and my dad called me into his room like, "Yo, you got to you got to watch this." And it was tape of Jalen Hurts in high school slinging it all over the field um and then of course Texas ended up going with Shane Bouchelle and the rest is history but man I mean Jalen Hurts round of applause man that that was a master class and then number two the Eagles might have a coverage problem um I think they, they were they were terrified of going into man coverage um, they played this soft shell zone for most of the game and pretty much every time they went into man coverage, they got beat every time. Um, so that's really, really concerning if you're an Eagles fan, because 
James Bradbury, Darius Slay, I mean, all respect to them. They've been really good for a long time, but it it looks like they're over the hill a little bit, um, and that's a big problem for the Eagles. Yeah, the secondary isn't good right now. Uh, and maybe if you're an Eagles fan, you hope that they get better as – Kevin Byer, their trade deadline acquisition, gets acclimated in this defense. But they give up so many big plays, um, which is a little worrisome uh, and a little alarming for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, We know their offense is really good. We know their roster is really good. But the secondary just isn't playing up to the level that I think you would expect, uh, especially with some of the personnel that they have. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on um, right now. But you're 8-1, and one and uh, they're, they're just finding different ways to win games. It hasn't been the prettiest at all times, but they just continue to win. And I, I feel the same way about Joe Burrow that you do about um, Jalen Hurts. Like, it sucks that Jalen Hurts is in Philly. Sucks that he's on the Eagles, but you support that guy. Like yeah. he's yeah. so easy to root for. And same yeah. thing for me. Like it sucks that Joe Burrow is playing for the Cincinnati Bengals and he's going to be there for a long, long time. Uh, and I don't like the Bengals, but I like Joe Burrow. Yeah. So. Um, All right. Uh, that's it for that game. Let's move on to the nightcapper, I think, right? Or this is gonna, one? Yeah, no, this, this is our last game, and it, it's going to feel a little weird because we did live stream this one. Um, so where do yeah. we start? This was this was a little – Yeah, I'll, I'll let you start this one. I mean, really what it came down to is the Bengals – had a simplified game plan from play one to the final play on offense, and it worked. It was run the ball, short throws, run the ball, short throws, those short throws to the flat, those comeback routes. Uh, They did take a couple shots downfield. They got their tight ends involved. I mean, we saw Hudson get involved. We saw Irv Smith. Um we saw them throw down the seam a little bit. They were staying on schedule. The Bills' pass rush wasn't much of a factor uh, all night. Burrow was pretty much perfect the entire night. He didn't put the ball in harm's way a whole lot, not that I can remember. Um, and this Bengals offense did enough. They scored a touchdown. What was it? To make it 28? I can't, I can't even remember, but... They came out hot. They stayed hot. It was great to see these other guys get involved for Cincinnati, especially T. Higgins. This was the T. Higgins game, uh, as we were talking about last night. And their defense was really, really good once again. In a big game in front of a national audience, their defense got the job done. Trey Hendrickson got pressure. They were generating pressure from the interior with DJ Reader. they played disciplined football. Uh, Jermaine Pratt made some plays. 
Um, they just played a really well-rounded game. And from a Bills perspective, I guess I'll ask you, sitting at five and four, um, how do you feel about it? Like, what is your level of confidence right now in this Bills team after this after this game? Yeah, uh, it's not it's not high. Um, I think you know, as long as you have number seventeen in in blue and white, you got a shot. But yeah. it, it's not it's not great right now. Um, for whatever reason. This team struggles to put up points, and I, I can't really put my finger on why. Yeah. Um, it feels like every statistic, they're like um, stat darlings in terms of like EPA per play and like um, yards per play and like efficiency, but they're not they're not scoring in the red zone. They're not they're not being a juggernaut that we expect them to be on offense. To put it simply, um, even with the emergence of Dalton Kincaid, it felt like they were they were moving, but they were running through mud all night. Like they just everything, every yard that they got was hard, um, yeah. and that's credit to the Bengals' defense as well. Um, but that's how it's going to be in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. unless things really change and they get this run game going somehow. I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this Bills team. It just doesn't look good right now. Um, the I think the first drive was, I think it was eight plays right down the field. They score a touchdown, but it was eight plays and eight passes. Um, and to be fair, like one or two of those were, were RPOs, but. They they got to get the run game going. They they really do. And when you're coming out to start a game and the script is saying, "Oh, we're just gonna throw the the living shit out of the football," that doesn't make me feel good. Like this has been three years running of no running game, and we're still doing this. So, yeah, I mean. There's no, there's not much more you can say than that. Like, they they gotta get the running game going somehow. Yeah, they do. It's been a problem in Buffalo that they still really haven't fixed yet. Um, it's you can't feel good right now. You're the nine seed, wouldn't even make the playoffs right now in the AFC, um, and your schedule isn't easy. Like. You play the Jets, you play the Broncos the next couple of weeks, but all of a sudden, the Jets are a team that just beat you like two months ago. Did the they Jets could, win tonight, by the way? Sorry. Go ahead. They, they, could, they could very well beat you again. I mean, that defense is capable of beating up on any offense, and um, even though that game's in Buffalo, uh, and Buffalo's been pretty good coming off losses, uh, which is how they've kind of s- stayed above 500 so far this year. It's not going to be an easy chalk it up as a W game against that Jets team. That's really well coached by Robert Sala. And then you got to go on the road to mile high and play the a Broncos team that all of a sudden may have found something. Uh, and then 
after that, you got to go play Philly. And then after the bye week, you got to play Dallas and in in Kansas City. Like, this – I don't think it will – turn this way i think the bills will find a way to win some of these games but it could very easily get away from you a little bit if you're buffalo if things don't improve a little bit offensively uh but last night it was really i mean you, you kind of have to ask yourself was it more buffalo or was it more cincinnati i i i tend to think it was just really really good cincinnati at home, ready yeah, to play I, from the get-go. Yeah. Um, offensive line was really, really good all night. The running game, uh, picking up uh, pressures from that Bills defense, um, not really letting them get to Burrow all that much. I think Burrow looks healthy. He's doing Joe Burrow things outside of the pocket, making plays. And if they get – T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and these tight ends involved, they are a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. Problem, yeah. The problem for Cincinnati is you have Baltimore in your division and you have Cleveland in your division and you have Pittsburgh in your division. Those are always hard, tough, close, fought-out games and – you, you kind of have to injury riddled games as well. Yeah. And you, later in the year, you're kind of working through injuries. Um, and those teams are, are, I mean, the problem is you're not going to get any easy games because all these teams in the AFC North are not going to be out of the playoff race. Yeah. So yeah. you're not going to get a team, you know, resting its stars later in the year. I mean, we could get to the end of the year and have like, Baltimore and Cincinnati for the division. Who knows? I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I think the AFC North right now is kind of like in a little world of its own in in the uh, in the NFL because all those teams right now would make the playoffs somehow, um, and they're all winning, but all in very different ways. <laughs> uh, so. It's an interesting conversation, but I tend to think last night, although Buffalo does have its issues right now, that was just a a game from Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it was more Cincinnati as well. Um I I don't really have much else to add, honestly. It's it's pretty simple. I mean, Cincinnati's defense put together with all those weapons on offense and Joe Burrow at quarterback. This team is built for the playoffs, man. And my gosh, I mean, they don't, they don't blink. It's like, they don't, they don't even, they get a penalty on first down. It's, it's second and 20 or whatever. They don't even miss a beat. Like it doesn't even phase them in the slightest. Yeah. Okay, well, we're creeping up in an hour here. Thank you to everyone who has tuned in. Thank you to Marcus for your chats. That's very uh, nice of you to engage in the chat. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention is give credit to Joshua Dobbs yesterday for oh yeah getting the Vikings to five and four all of a sudden. What were they? They were two and four, one in. I mean, I don't even remember. Um, 
did not get off I, to a good start. They, were one in, they may have been 0-3. I don't even remember. Yeah, I think they were, you know, whatever it was. It wasn't good, and yeah. Kirk Cousins goes down. Then Jaron Hall, the rookie, goes down, and Josh Dobbs is forced into action after really having no practice at all, after being acquired at the deadline. And struggled with ball security a little bit, but did what he had to do. Give him credit. Really smart guy. Always liked Josh Dobbs. He was drafted by the Steelers. He's been around to now, I think, this is his fifth team. Um, played well early in the season for Arizona and uh, got the win yesterday. A big get, a big win over an NFC competitor in the Atlanta Falcons trying to yeah. fight for playoff positioning in their own right. Um, <clears throat> and then secondly, the big news of the past 24, 48 hours is that Kyler Murray is expected to return this week. So, sir, I've had him on my fantasy roster since like week four. So hopefully it turns out. <laughs> that should be interesting. Okay. Well, uh, you have anything else? Um, Shout out to Tare Agumbawale, um, brother of Arike Agumbawale, who is a bucket, if you didn't know, over in the WNBA. Um, but yeah, um, he stepped in at kicker for the Texans. Made a go-ahead field goal, which wasn't the game winner technically, but it was it was definitely a key moment in the game because they get stopped on third down um, in the red zone, and I guess everybody just figured they were going to go for it. They go out with the kicker, and he just drilled it. So credit to him. Absolutely. Okay. Well, lots of. Really good content coming for you guys on the Raw Prospect Podcast channel. Two episodes on Wednesday. Emmy and I have some planning to do once we get off this episode. Uh, Lots of talking on how we can change things up, make things better for you guys. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in to the ninth week of the Raw Rundown. We'll be back next week for Raw Rundown and bi-weekly power rankings. Um. Yeah, really fun episode. I thought this one went really, really smoothly. It's a fun week of football, and we got another really good week of football coming up. So uh, thank you, Marcus, for tuning in, Um, and we will see you on Wednesday, just like um, LSU's chances of winning on opening night, defending their uh, 2023 National Championship crown in women's college basketball as the number one team in the country. They did lose to Colorado tonight. We are going, going, gone. Peace out. Kind of a deep cut. I like it. Peace out, y'all.
tie the ball eventually. I have confidence in Vic Fangio uh, being that defensive coordinator. But the offensive side, like you're there. Um, now you just got to avoid injuries and just keep it rolling, man. Um, Tua was phenomenal. And I just think of that one play. Um, Tyreek Hill goes in short motion down the right side. They dial up to make it look like a wheel route. And the Chargers corner was sitting on the wheel route. And it turned into a deep dig. <laughs> and it, it and the Chargers corner got spun around and just had no chance. Um, just no shot at all. Um, man, I, Mike McDaniel is a... Excuse my language, but Mike McDaniel is a fucking genius. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Um... You sent me that play, I think it was yesterday, and I watched it this morning. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, that yeah. is next level. Yeah. Um, the Dolphins, man, I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good. After, I know it's only week one, uh, but the Bills let one get away. The Patriots still looked, I think, pretty good. Aside from that first quarter, they looked like a good football team, I thought. They definitely Sunday did. Yeah. Against the Eagles. Yeah, good um, stuff for Mac Jones. They're not going to be an easy out. Uh, good stuff for Mac Jones. Uh, but Rodgers obviously goes down. Um, and the Bills, I mean, they're going to be there in the end, I think. But you got to feel pretty good if you're the Dolphins playing that well on offense in week one with your quarterback, who we've had some questions about. If he stays healthy. He's going to put up huge numbers this year. And that team is fast. Like I don't oh know. Gosh, I don't know how you guard that team. What you do you do if you're on defense? Like you just gotta. I mean, probably gonna have to score. You just gotta outscore them. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And the Chargers almost did it. To be fair, I. Uh, I. We can finish this thing by talking about the Chargers a little bit because I, I I got something I gotta say. Um, here we go again. Oh my goodness. The Chargers are gonna charge her. Um <laughs> let me paint the picture for y'all. Just before the first half, the Chargers are driving down the field. There's 12 seconds on the clock. Justin Herbert goes on a short scramble, slides. They call timeout with like 10 seconds. Or wait. No, no. He 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 does like a short scramble. He slides inbounds. They call timeout with 12 seconds left instead of waiting for it to go down to like four seconds. So that would have been the last play of the game or of the, so it would have been, it would have been the last play of the first half. So instead they kicked the field goal missed. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> or if they did make it, they ended up being like 10 seconds on the clock for the dolphins gave up a pass interference on a, on a chuck down the field. And then the Dolphins got a field goal and went into the halftime in the lead. Just, oh my, just the most Chargers thing I've ever seen. Just the most Chargers thing I've ever seen in my life. Just ridiculous. In position, um, in position to win, in position to win, elite quarterback, quarterback that keeps you in the game, even when he doesn't play his best, a, an offense that looked Really, really good and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Dolphins on Sunday. I mean, Austin Eckler continues to be uh, one of the 
elite guys in this in this league. Uh, you know, Herbert committed a critical intentional grounding penalty with the game on the line. In coaching, you know, excuse me, the in-game coaching from Brandon Staley, which we've had our fair share of questions about, obviously, was not good on Sunday. Um, still pretty suspect. Uh, and I'm a little concerned about that defense. I know the Dolphins are a little bit of a outlier in terms of the speed that they, you know, present and all the things that they do on offense. Uh, but man, I just, we, we talked about it in our preview. If you didn't listen to that, go back and listen to that. We expressed concern. We expressed yeah. these exact concerns in our preview, maybe in a little bit of a different fashion, but they were there. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know the Chargers schedule. I think they'll still be a, uh, you know, a team that's competing for the playoffs. I'm not going to overreact or anything, but yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, they just continue to find ways to lose games that they should win. Yeah, th this team is ready, man. This roster is so good. And and to be fair to, you know, Brandon Staley calling the defensive plays, there were moments where he dialed up the right defensive play call and they had their defenders in the right spot and Tua just threw a perfect throw and you couldn't do anything about it. But at the same time, there's just there just comes a point in time, man, where you're a defensive head coach yeah. and you're supposed to, you know, come in, be the head coach of this team while also having a good defense. And they have never had that. So we'll see what happens the rest of the year. But man, I the Chargers piss me off, honestly. That that team should be so much better than what they are. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit concerning when you're the head coach, you have a side of the ball, and that side of the ball continues to let your team down. It seems week after week. Um, you know, when we look at the elite coaches, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Mike McDaniel, I think, is, you know, getting into this conversation those offensive coaches, most of those offenses are really, really good. There are exceptions. Yeah. Uh, you know, Zach Taylor had a bad week. Um, but they have their side of the ball ready re ready to go um, most weeks, including Mike Tomlin. Like, that defense is usually what allows Pittsburgh yeah. to stay competitive and win games and end up somehow with a winning record at the end of the season. Um but I don't know, man. We'll see. Um, so we went a little over, but that's okay. Uh, that's going to do it. Thank you to our one viewer. I think we had two at one point, but right. thank you to our one viewer. This is going to be a weekly thing, the Raw Rundown. It's going to be a weekly thing. It'll depend. It's going to be Monday or Tuesday, I'm pretty sure. Um, but we're going to try to do it on a consistent basis like we did last year. And then things will change a little bit for the playoffs, uh, but that's a long way away. So we don't have to worry about that right now. Continue to tune in to my Deep in the Heart of Longhorns podcast. It's been a little difficult the past couple weeks with the lead up to the Bama game, Labor Day, the holiday. Um, but we'll get back on track here. Uh, I'm either going to do it right after this 
or tomorrow, and then I'll have Emmy on Thursday. Um, so you still will get your two episodes per week. Going into next week, going into conference play, we should get back to a regular schedule. Uh, but the past two weeks have been difficult. And then we have other content coming for y'all. Uh, I mean, I have some stuff to talk about once we get off air about our schedule for September. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. Love this episode. This is a good first run. Uh, and we'll see that we're in for a really good week, too. There are some really good games week, two, So looking forward to it. Yep. Should be fun. Go ahead and sign us off, man. Yeah, just like the Steelers' chances on Sunday against the 49ers, and just like the Giants' chances after that first drive and after that missed field goal against the Cowboys on Sunday night. We are going, going, gone. Peace out. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets.